I am thankful for your world created in beauty, for your love given abundantly, for your provision accepted daily. I am thankful. I am thankful for your head, crowned with thorns, for your hands, scarred by nails, for your back, bruised and torn. Lord, I am so thankful. I say thank you, Lord. By serving the hurting, by feeding the hungry, by encouraging the hopeless. It is amazing to be part of your body, to act as your hands and feet, to bend my back in service to you. Morning again, Dorisville Baptist. We are, of course, here in the first week in November, and over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at something we've called the G-Force, uh, talking about gratitude. If you'll go ahead and take your Bibles, please, and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 14 through 23, I'd be appreciative. And I am grateful today for several things. I really am grateful to be an American. Amen? I really am. I am grateful to be a part of a church like Dorisville, and Britt, you said it. Things like Operation Christmas Child, things like the ministries that we do in our church, the Blessing Baskets, the Mercy Corner, Judgment House, things like that that reach out intentionally and touch the lives of people. I am grateful for a church family that can step up to the plate and lead us in worship like we've enjoyed today. Would you say amen to that? Would you give these guys a round of applause? How incredible. The choir just did this phenomenal job, and the three ladies, how powerful and strong was that. I am very, very grateful. And by the way, somewhere, I'm not sure how, but we miss saying, we're glad you're here. And so if you're visiting with us today, particularly for the first time, we are glad that you're here. And you should have got a bulletin when you've come in. There's a welcome slip in there. If you fill that out and drop it by the welcome desk, we have a gift for you today that we'd love to give you. We're giving away free Trips to Hawaii. No, that's not true. Okay, a coffee cup or something, okay? But we got something for you, and we are genuinely glad that you are here today. All right? So in this, in this next three weeks, I don't want to call it a series, but the overarching thing is gratitude, the power of the G-Force, the power of gratitude. And so we're going to look at the next three weeks about different ways we can be grateful. And today we've got what I've called the table of gratitude, and it kind of reads like a table of contents, and the contents is things that we need to be grateful for. Now let me ask you a question today. How many of you today are citizens of the United States of America? Can you make some noise today? Come on. Can you make some noise? Yeah. Yeah, we are so grateful and so proud to be Americans today. Even with all its turmoil and all that's going on in America, it is still the greatest nation in the world. Now, I would suppose that most of us today are citizens by birth, and that simply means this. That, that we um, were born from parents that were citizens, and therefore we became citizens 
upon birth. And that's only one of two ways that you can become a citizen of America. The first is by birth, and the second is by naturalization. And that simply means this, that you come and live in America, I think it's for at least five years, and then you can apply for citizenship, uh, as long as you're here legally, you can apply for citizenship to be a citizen of America. Now, are there any naturalized citizens here today, all of us by birth? Cool. All right, very good. Now, now here's what I want you to hear today. This is so cool. I, I started thinking about this idea of citizenship. Okay, and I went to the government site about naturalization and read about the benefits and listen the responsibilities of being a citizen. Here's what it says. This is the responsibility part. To become a U.S. citizen, you must take the oath of allegiance. The oath includes several promises you make when you become a U.S. citizen, including promises to give up all prior allegiance to any other nation or sovereignty, to swear allegiance to the United States, to support and defend the Constitution and the laws of the United States, and to serve the country when required. What an powerful set of responsibilities. And every naturalized citizen has to take that oath and agree to do that. Now, I can't explain it. Yeah, I can too. Those of us who are born here, we, I think, sometimes fail to really appreciate being American citizens like those who are naturalized. For those who came and took the test and took the classes and, and this became their land, for some reason they seem to take more seriously the responsibilities to be an American citizen. And you just see that. There's, there, there, now, there are a lot of great citizens in this land, but rarely you see a naturalized citizen who's just not passionate about being an American citizen. So we have born, born citizens, we have naturalized, and it seems like the ones who take it more aggressively are these ones who have been naturalized. So I asked you the first question, how many of you were citizens of America? Now let me ask you this question here. How many of you are followers, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ? Can you make some noise? Can you make some noise? Yeah, yeah. Followers of Jesus Christ. And that simply means this. One day Jesus came to you and you didn't go to him. He came to you because we don't seek God. God seeks us. And, and Jesus came and said, hey, I want you to follow me. And you said yes. You said yes. And you became a follower, a disciple, a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's what sometimes we don't understand. It's really the same way as you have citizenship in America. You have a new citizenship and when you become a follower of Jesus Christ. Paul says it this way in Philippians 3.20. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you receive Jesus Christ as Savior, you maintained your American citizenship, but you gained a new citizenship. And that is citizenship in a new country called heaven. Come on now, Amen. That's good news. And listen, y'all think America's good? Woo! You wait till you see heaven. I do what I like about heaven. There ain't no political parties. Everybody be on the same page. Everybody's going to be in love with Jesus, and that's going to be enough. How incredible is that? But here's what we don't sometimes get. Is that along with, just like there's citizenship responsibilities, there's also citizenship responsibilities in the kingdom. Let me read that paragraph again and watch the parallel. This is what it says to be American citizen. 
To become a U.S. citizen, you must first take the oath of allegiance. Now, I don't know if you know it or not, but when you received Jesus Christ as Savior, you took an oath of allegiance. You said, I'm no longer the boss. You are. You, you, said, you said, Satan is no longer my father. God the Father is. You said, I quit selling out to the world, and I owe my allegiance, and I'm selling out to God. That's what you did if you trusted Jesus as Savior. He says, the oath includes several promises you make when you become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, including give up all prior allegiance to any other nation or sovereignty. When you became a follower of Jesus, again, I made the statement last week, when you married Jesus, if you will, you don't have the option to go live with the woman down the road. See, see, Jesus really believes in this, this, this marriage for life thing and one-on-one. And so if you follow Jesus, there can be no other allegiances. Come on now, talk to me. There can be no other allegiances besides an allegiance to Jesus Christ. You cannot serve God in the world. I mean, I'm telling you, if you want to be a Russian spy and a U.S. citizen, you're going to get in big trouble. If you want to try to say, I love Jesus, yes, I do. I love Jesus, how about you? And then you turn around and say, I love the world, yes, I do. I love the world, how about you? Honey, it ain't going to happen. There can only be one allegiance. In fact, it follows up with the affirmative and says... You must swear allegiance to Jesus Christ if you're going to be a citizen of heaven. It goes on and says this. You've got to support and defend the Constitution and the laws of God. You can't be mealy-mouthed on the Bible. Come on now. You, you can't say, well, you know, I like the Bible when it says what I want it to say. I, I like the Bible when it talks about eternal security. I like the Bible when it talks about when I die, I get to go to heaven. But I don't particularly like what it says about money or marriage or relationships or my sin. If you're a kingdom of heaven, you swear allegiance to the living Word of God. Now, that's not optional. That's not optional. You, you can't be... A follower of Jesus Christ and square allegiance to other things. It just doesn't happen. And then it goes on and finishes up by saying this. It says that you will serve the country or serve the Lord when required. And guess when it's required? Say all the time. All the time. Isn't it amazing the parallel there? And here's what I found out. We have a tendency. See, see, when you're born again, God does another thing. You know what else He does? He adopts you. See, when you're born again, you become a babe in the family of God and you're supposed to grow. But God also says this, I'm going to adopt you as a son in the family of God. And what's so cool about that is, that means the moment I'm saved, I've got all the rights and privileges of a son of God. He don't make me go through school for 15 years and I get the right to vote. He says, man, you are in the family and you got full rights and privileges. The day when Jesus said, follow me, and you said, yes, Lord, you got all the rights and privileges. If you will, you've been born again and you've been naturalized. And people who understand both concepts are just better citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Too many of us prayed a prayer a while back and asked Jesus in our hearts, but we've lost the concept that we have an allegiance to God. So often we have an allegiance to the church, we have allegiance to the convention, we have allegiance to whatever, but we've got our allegiance to God. 
So what we want to look at today is just like you ought to be a good citizen in America. We need to be good citizens in the kingdom of heaven. In 1 Thessalonians, in chapter 5, verses 14 through 23, Paul gives us a whole boatload of things we can do to be good citizens. Now, you ought to teach your children to be good citizens. Right there would be a good place for an amen. You ought to teach your children to respect the flag. You ought to respect... Does your children to respect the elected offices, even though sometimes that's difficult? You need to teach your children to respect America. And we need to learn today. I was going to say teach your children, yes. But we need to learn today to respect the kingdom of God. To be good citizens. So we got four things to look at today. I think it's four, is it four or five. There's a bunch there. And we'll do our best to go right through real quickly. First off this. And I hope you'll take notes today. Good kingdom citizens have good people skills. Good kingdom citizens have good people skills. Now, here's what he says. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and verses number, uh, verse number 14 and 15, And we exhort you, brothers, we urge you, brothers, we beg you, brothers, warn those who are irresponsible, comfort the discouraged, and help the week. Now, he gives us there. Now, where's, is my daughter here today, Rebecca? Is she in the back? Where are you, honey? Watch this. He gives us three action verbs. Are you proud of me? See, I, I don't know a lot about English, as you can tell. Okay? But I got action verbs. Okay? He tells us that we are to warn, we are to comfort, and we are to help different things. First off, we're to warn those who are irresponsible. Now, now this is, this is the meaning of that word. Okay? In the Greek, it means to be idle. To be idle. And in one translation, it was very blunt and said, we need to warn those who are lazy. Now, keep this in mind. Paul is not talking about lazy in the physical realm. He's talking about the Spiritual realm. Say spiritual realm. Okay? He's talking about us warning those who are spiritually lazy. People who are not being good citizens of the kingdom. We're to warn them. Why warn, Dwayne? Because warning, because when we're bad citizens of the kingdom, it has consequences. I'm telling you, I've been doing this gig for 28 years now, and I have seen consequence after consequence after consequence. And when we are not spiritually committed to the kingdom of God, there are consequences through broken marriages and broken homes and broken children and broken lives and broken children and broken everything. And God's not in the breaking business in that sense. He's in the healing and putting together business. So we are to be good citizens and warn those who are spiritually Lazy, listen, not with a judgmental attitude. Come on, rock chuckers. Not with a rock chucking attitude. Not with, oh, I'm so much better than you. Not looking down our long Roman nose at you. But just saying, dude, been there, you don't want to go there. I've been there, done that, you really don't want to go there. Warn the idle, warn the lazy, warn the irresponsible because of the consequences that are involved. And then he says this, we are to comfort the discouraged. We are to encourage the discouraged. So when we see someone who is struggling in life, we are to be an encouragement. Say encouragement. 
we Baptists don't do this good. We also like to rock chuck at those people. Okay? We like saying, you know what? You know, if you just get off of it, son, you would be encouraged more. The reason you're discouraged is because you're not reading your Bible enough. And that might be true. But when you're discouraged, you probably don't need more discouragement. You need encouragement. You need building up. Paul said, edify one another. Build one another up. We are to encourage the discouraged. We are to help the weak. If you're taking notes, the word help there means to hold up. It means support. Now, y'all know I've got a new grandbaby right down there. And you know what happened? You know, he was, the first five weeks he was alive. You know what he did? He just, and actually it's usually like this. I even asked Pooter, I said, is there something wrong with him? He don't seem to be doing a whole lot of nothing besides. Six weeks he became alive. He opened his eyes. He started smiling. He starts talking. Did y'all know he already knows French? I've got good grandkids. Well, I think it's French. It sounds like, oh, oh. it may be well talk. I don't know. Maybe he's a well. I don't know. But I do know this. He became alive. But you know what? Still got a feeding. Someone else has to change his diapers. <laughs> you know, he needs someone to help him, to support him. Now, one day, he's going to grow up, and he won't need that. But right now, he does. When Paul says that we need to help the weak, that's what he's talking about. There's, there's brand new believers in Jesus, okay? And there's some fun. Now, by the way, a brand new believer in Jesus may have been saved 10 years. Never grown in Jesus. And we're to help them and we're to support them. We're to encourage them. Now, you getting the picture here? You get a picture how that we are to have good people skills and it doesn't involve tearing down. It involves building up. Do you see that? Now, what's this? What if you give the wrong medicine? Well, Dr. Matt was sitting here, and I said, Dr. Matt, he said, you know, I have a headache. Okay? He says, well, take some Pepnobismol. I would say, Doc, it's my head, not my stomach. See, doctors know you've got to get the right medicine for the cause. Like, if you've got pneumonia, they, just don't, they, take, they take a culture of it. To find out what antibiotic works best for the kind of pneumonia you got. Paul's saying here, we gotta be sure we get the right medicine. Cause see, if you, if you help the irresponsible, if you support the irresponsible, the idle, the lazy, you know, should become an enabler. People who are idle and lazy, they do not need your you're undergirding and saying, well, it's going to help you keep being lazy. They need a swift spiritual kick in the butt. What if you take people who are weak, who need support, and you decide you're going to encourage them? Well, that's fine. I can say, Taylor, son, come to the dining room table. Son, listen, I know you think milk is good, but I'm telling you, spaghetti's better. Wait till you get taste pecan pie. Come to, he's not ready for that. So, so if we take and we give, we give that to the discouraged, then work. We gotta make sure we get the right medicine, Paul says, for the right need. Good people skills. And then he says this, we gotta support the economy in the kingdom. Watch what he says. 
see to it that no one repays evil. Notice the word repay there. Repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. The economy of God is you don't pay back in like kind. If someone, if someone asks you to carry the pack a mile, you carry it too. If someone slaps a cheek, you turn the other cheek. If someone's evil to you, you be good to them. The world, of which we are not citizens, does that. The world says, if you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. If you speak bad about me, I'm going to speak bad about you. But Jesus says, not so. Paul wrote here, but Jesus preached on where? Sermon on the Mount. And said, if someone treats us wrongly, we're to love, reach out to them. If someone speaks unkindly about us, we're going to retaliate and we're going to bless them. Bless them. So Paul says, we've got to be actively involved in the lives of other people and we've got to learn with our actions to be different. Good citizens of the kingdom have good people skills. And mark this down in your notes and in your Bible. God's Word talks more about people skills than it does virtually heaven or hell or anything else. And why did Jesus in the last hours, last hours of his life on earth say, God, may they be one like you and I are one? Because he knew the importance of good people skills. Number two is this. Good citizens of the kingdom have good communication skills. Good kingdoms of the, of the kingdom have good communication skills. Now, is it important you know how to talk? Man, we are talk challenged. I've been married to my wife for 35 years, and still when she says, hey, can we talk? One, I get the jitters. You mean like, like words and communications and stuff? I mean, we just don't know how to do it well. The good news is, guys, is that's not what we're talking about. Because we're not talking about communication like talking one-on-one. We're talking about communicating our faith to a world that desperately needs Jesus Christ. See, see, here's what the Bible says. Listen to this. If you were an RA, this was your verse. 2 Corinthians 5.20 Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Say ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ as though God was pleading through us. We implore you in, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We're ambassadors. Our mission, our purpose is to be disciples, followers of Jesus Christ who help other people discover and follow Jesus Christ. That's why we are here. So Paul gives us three things. He gives us three action verbs. He now gives us three things that we can do to communicate to the world, hey, Jesus is real. Here's what he says. Rejoice always. Boy, Dwayne, that's, that's profound. Well, here, I'll give you something you can take home. I, I, I'm going to tell you something that you can really impress people with. The shortest verse in the Bible, in the English language, is John eleven thirty five. Anybody know what it is? Jesus wept. You are looking at today, and you're going to really be able to impress your friends with this. If your Sunday school teacher's not here, whip this on him next week. Did you know that 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16 is the shortest verse in the Bible? In the Greek, they'll go, dude, rejoice always. Now, there's a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness depends on circumstances, and joy does not. 
Joy is a, can be a constant in our lives and is a direct output and result of our relationship with God. It doesn't mean that when I'm puking my guts out and I've got the flu, that I'm going, this is so wonderful. But it's just knowing that my Father is in control. It's knowing that my God is bigger than circumstances. Now, the cool part is, you don't have to generate this. You don't have to go, I think I can be joyful. I think I can. God, God, I just think I can. No. No. See, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 you got the, when you got when you follow Jesus, you got the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit said, "I'm going to give you a fruit basket." And and here it is. Are you ready? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, joy. When you got Jesus, you got joy. And as the choir sings, the world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. Come on now, come on, believers. See, see, you think your joy depends on the government. You are one sad person. Come on now. you one sad person. You think joy comes from money. Have you been watching the news? Have you watched the trial of Michael Jackson? I don't think he appeared very happy. What do you think? And I got a stinking suspicion his physician isn't very happy right now either. He was getting paid $150,000 a month. Ask him if he's happy. The answer is no, because joy doesn't come from the world. It doesn't come from Walmart. It doesn't even come from the blind store. Come on now. It comes from Jesus Christ. So, so Paul says, rejoice always. Be happy always. It comes from Jesus. Watch this. As the Father loved me, Jesus talking, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and keep abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. You want joy? You know this book? You read this book? And you apply this book? There are so many unjoyful Christians because they don't know what this book says. I heard a pastor say this week, it is the job of the pastor to lead people to the water, but he is not the water. If you count on my meager attempts at preaching the Word of God once a week to sustain you spiritually, you are anemic, man. You've got to get into the book yourself. You've got to read the book. You've got to understand the book. You've got to apply the book. And when you do that, your joy level is going to go boop, 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 boop. Why? Well, a couple of reasons. Because the Bible's true. And because Jesus said so. And Jesus has never lied, never will. Rejoice always. But then he said this. Pray constantly. Pray constantly. Now, he's not saying that what you do is you lock yourself in your closet and whether you pray like this or pray like this or pray prostate, have you pray. He's not saying you can't do anything but pray. No, 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 no. He's saying you are to constantly have an attitude of prayer. It's cool. You need to get in your closet. I'm sorry, but you need to get in your closet and pray. You need to have that time alone with God and you need to pray. 
But then when you leave that closet, you need to pray all day. My, my wife does something. One of the joys of living on Highway 13 is almost every ambulance going to Harrisburg Medical Center or leaving Harrisburg Medical Center goes by my house. And my wife taught, I know faith, and I'm assuming hope, and probably Ethan, to say, when the, we need to pray for them. Because usually people aren't in elephants, or elephants, <laughs> ambulances for the real, and for the thrill. They're not in elephants for the thrill, and they're not in ambulances for the thrill, I promise you. When the helicopter flies over, they're not taking an aerial flight for fun. There's a crisis. And we can, listen, did you know this? All right, hold on to your seats, this is radical. I know it's hot, guys. I am sweating like a dog, I'm telling you. Okay? Listen. As we pray for people, as we see people, we don't have to close our eyes. As a matter of fact, if you're driving, please don't. Please don't. But we have a constant attitude of prayer. I told Judy, in case I forgot to tell us, I said, you know, God gave this to me this morning. Great illustration. In, in, in marriage communication, there's two ways you can do marriage communication. You can talk daily or, excuse me, we need to talk. When your wife says we need to talk, you're in the ambulance. Guys, if you haven't figured that out, I'm sorry. You're on the helicopter being life flighted, okay? Prayer's the same way. You can pray constantly, or one day, God is mean, I'm in trouble. God would much rather us pray constantly than only pray when the emergencies come. Pray Always. And then he's got one more. He says this, we are to pray always and then give thanks in everything, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We are to be thankful. You know why? When we are thankful, it shows our dependence on God. If we, if we get our paycheck every week and we say, look what I did, is that teaching dependence? But if you understand, you're going to hear this tonight. If you'll come back to church tonight, we're going to preach from First Chronicles 29. If you'll come now, I'll, I'll show you something. But, but everything comes from God. If you have a job today, it came from God. If you got a car today, it came from God. If you got a family today, yeah, I know you don't like your kids half the time, but they came from God. Everything comes from God. We've got so much to be grateful for. But I'm telling you, here's what we do. God, I don't want my car. I want his car. God, I don't want my marriage. I want their marriage. God, I don't want my family. I want their family. God, I don't want my job. I want their job. And I don't know if this is true, but I wonder sometimes God's up there going, mm-mm, mm-mm, Them ungrateful folks. Be thankful for what you have. Be thankful. For, and, and this is the will of God. And by the way, did you see something? I don't want to forget this. Watch this. There's that three again. Watch this. In those verses, rejoice. Always. Always. Rejoice. Pray. Constantly. Continually. Okay? And, 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 and. Give thanks in. Do you see the inclusiveness of that? We're not to only rejoice sometimes. We're only to pray sometimes. We're only to be thankful for some things. He says you should have constant prayer. Constant thanksgiving, constant joy. And if you're a good citizen of the kingdom, that's how it happens. Then we have 
A good citizen of the kingdom has good life skills. Three things again. Don't stifle the spirit. I like the old King James. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to quench, to stifle the Holy Spirit? It means to pour water on the fire. Now listen, everybody loves a fireman. Can I have an amen? Everybody loves a fireman. Their job is to put out fires. And I'm telling you, if 217 West Popper caught on fire, and here come the boys, and they got their hoses out there, and they're spraying water and stuff, when the fire's on, I'm going, boy, guys, thank you for being there, man. You saved my house. I'm so grateful you put the fire out. But if I had a fireplace, and you know, I worked like two hours building a fire, and here comes a, and that fireman runs in my living room, takes his buggy and goes, on my just-built fire. You think I'm going to go, thank you, bud, you did a good job. See, there's a time to put fires out and a time not to. The problem is most Baptists haven't figured that out. Whenever they see fire, they want to get their bucket and be the cold water committee. Come on, talk to me. If the church gets too excited, if, if we, oh, I'm going to say a curse word in church. If we want to change something, Oh, I can't believe I said change in church. If something's different, throw in cold water. Tell you what. Paul says, do not quench, do not put out the Holy Spirit. Well, how do you do that, Dwayne? One, unconfessed sin. When we show up, I'm going to tell you what. How many of y'all know what a mobile hotspot is? Raise your hand if you know what a mobile hotspot is. Mike knows. Some of you droid people know. Does Apple have that? I don't know if Apple has mobile. We'll pray for them. But anyway, 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 anyway. So a mobile hotspot is your phone becomes a sending unit. And it broadcasts through the air something called Wi-Fi. It allows other computers or phones to attach and get access to the Internet wirelessly through your phone. What we don't understand is when we have unconfessed sin, we become a mobile cold spot. Now, that's a pretty good illustration. Come on. And in fact, it infects. Did you get that word? Not affects. It infects people around us. So we're sitting here, and last night, we were up to 3 o'clock in the morning watching pornography. Okay? And then, and then we might have thrown God a cursory as we're getting just to church. Now, God, about last night, you know I'm really sorry. And we come in, we got that unconfessed sin. That wasn't confession. That was just telling God something. And we got this, this unconfessed sin around us and it just oozes from us and can actually impact our worship services. And God can't work. We've got to get unconfessed sin out of our lives. We've got to get hard hearts. Another cause of quenching the Holy Spirit is hard hearts. I don't, preacher, you just go ahead and preach the Bible. You try to bless me today. I am unblessable. You can't say anything. I ain't going to listen. I'm on here because my wife made me hard hearts. 
critical attitudes, judgmental attitudes. We, we, I did the Baptist Hour, boy, on Tuesday, I think it was, and did that scripture, you know, on, on, on the guys where Jesus tells the parable about the Pharisee in the temple. And he says, Oh God, I thank you. I'm not like other men. Like the ones who cheat, the ones who commit adultery, or like that tax collector. Oh, you would never do this publicly. I'm so glad I'm not like them, God. And I'm not like them, God. And I'm not like them, God. I'm like them, God. And we them ourselves to death. Honey, look in the mirror. There are zero perfect people. And before you say, I'm glad I'm like them, remember you are one of them. Cool. We're in this boat together, the sin boat. Go back to verse 1. Encourage. You may need to warn. Encourage. Support. Build up. Make an impact. The kingdom of God. Don't, don't quench the Spirit. Don't despise prophecies. Now, probably, to be candid with you, when this was written in the Corinth church, when spiritual gifts were being abused greatly in the Corinthian church, but some were authentic, that's probably what Paul mainly had in mind. But may I just point to this today? This is God's completed prophecy. You better not despise it, Baptists. You better not despise it, followers of Jesus. If we're going to be good citizens of the kingdom, we've got to fall in love with this book. And if you don't like that, you might consider going to another church in 2012 because this is the center of our year. We're going to preach the Bible. We're going to read the Bible. We're going to memorize the Bible. We're going to do the Bible in 2012. And that makes you feel uncomfortable. Now, I pray by the end of 2012, you're comfortable. We're to love this book. In fact, he goes on and he says this, that, that we're to test all things. Hold on to what is good. Hold on to what is good. Test it, whether it's truth or not. But hold on to what is good. And then he says this. this he, he says, stay away from all kinds of evil. Again, love the King James. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Good citizens of the kingdom, they don't see how close they can get to sin and not sin. They see how far away they can stay from sin. Do you know there's some weird people who like snakes? To me, there's only one good snake. Dead. Dead. But a lot of people, some people love to handle snakes. And if you know snakes, that's pretty good. But some people unwillingly handle deadly snakes. We've got to be careful with the things of the world that we don't pick up a deadly snake. Now, I, I, you know what? I can't tell you today, in, in John chapter 7, verse 23, the Bible says, Thou shalt not drink. Okay? But I will tell you two, a couple things. First off this. I don't know if I would be an alcoholic or not, but I don't want to find out. I know one thing, if I never taste alcohol, I'll never have to worry about being an alcoholic. Isn't that profound? 
Come on, isn't that profound? You want a good reason not to drink? You might be the next alcoholic. But two, remember, kingdom people are portraying Jesus. In our culture, if your pastor was seen downtown or at the fairgrounds with a bud light in his hand, you think people just flock my church and say, Woo, I want to hear from that preacher, boy. He's a bud light man. They say, no, 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 no. They want you to hear at work. I thought you had a godly pastor. If he's so godly, why did he die, die, die? And I won't tell you the Bible says, Thou shalt not social drink. But the Bible does say, Don't be a stumbling block. And this society, that's a stumbling block. Be careful. The movies you see, the books you read, the things you drink, the places you go. Dwayne, you're sounding legalistic. Now, you know me better than that. I can't spell legalistic. But I know this. This book says, live carefully in this world. Because my purpose in being here is not my happiness and my rights and my freedoms. My purpose is to show others Jesus Christ. This is what Paul said. Everything is permissible for me. Now, he's not talking about simple things. He's talking about things in general, great things. Everything is permissible for me. But not everything is helpful. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be brought under control of anything. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will do away with them both. The body is not for sexual immorality, and for the, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Be careful. For your sake, but for the sake of others. Good kingdom citizens have good Life skills. And then we close with this. Good, good citizens of the kingdom have good faith skills. Here's what he says. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful who also will do it. One. Allow good citizens, allow God to sanctify them completely. Now, you're probably sitting there going, sanctify, sanctify. I've heard that word before, set apart. May the God, may God of peace himself set you apart. Set, set me apart for what, Dwayne? Kingdom. Kingdom. When you said follow Jesus, you had to leave behind what you had and follow Jesus. Am I right? You can't follow Jesus and stay where you are. So may the God of peace set you apart. Dwayne, how about, does that include money? Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Time, yeah. Calendar, yeah. Parenting, yeah. Marriage, yeah. Job, yes. Sanctify you. How? Completely. Completely. He goes on and says this. And may your spirit, soul, and body, is that complete? Where we're trying creatures, be kept sound and blameless, sound, solid, faithful, a rock-solid foundation to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, he who calls you is faithful, and he'll do it. As we cry out to God, God, I want to be a good citizen. He said, I can handle that. I can handle that. God, I want to be a good citizen for you. I can do that. I'm willing to help you with that. Boils down to this. One, 
Are you a citizen? Are you a citizen? Now, this might be one of those messages. If you're here without Jesus, you go, and that's why I don't want to be a Christian. I hope you don't leave with that. Because the last thing God does is whoop rules on us and has a tote board up there when we keep the rules. Everything I said today was for God's glory and my betterment. I mean, have you ever stumbled into a college dorm on Saturday morning? And there on the college floor dorm is a student, college student, and he has drunk himself to oblivion the night before. He's laying there laying in his own vomit, saying, this is the best life I've ever had. Anyone seen one? I haven't. I've seen a few drunk people proclaim that, but I've seen very few morning after. Have you ever seen a guy the day after his wife says, so you're having an affair? Do you hear that guy going, red banner day, woo, gets no better than this. The night after, mom and dad get the call from a child who they didn't pour Jesus into. It's the police department, we have your child in jail front age drinking. wonder where they learned that at. Now, now, see, God gave us this stuff for a better life. Now, come on, come on, Christians. Not for rules, but for a better life. I mean, heaven's cool, but a better life here. Sorry, assistant. Now, you need to know something. Big debate about illegal aliens. Okay? There are no illegal aliens in heaven. Okay? You, you can't get to heaven and go, well, God, I know I didn't go to church and I didn't do this, I didn't do the Jesus thing, but I was an overall good person. No green cards in heaven. Now, you, know, you come to church you know, for all your life and never trust Jesus, you're still going to split hell wide open. It's Jesus or it's nothing, man. It's... You be a Baptist all you want to. Baptist born and Baptist bred. When I'm gone, I'll be a Baptist dad. Well, friend, you die without Jesus. I don't care how Baptist you are. You're going to split hell wide open. It takes Jesus. It takes Jesus. But the cool part is, in America, there's certain limitations. The number of you know, immigrants who come in and all those different things legally. You know what God says? Whosoever will may come. But I'm black. Come on in. I'm yellow. Come on in. I'm white. You can come in too. I'm poor. I live in the project. Come on in. I'm stinking filthy rich. Okay, you can come in too. I've got a rotten past. Come on in. I'll write you a new past. Come on now. I'll write you a new past. And while I'm at it, I'm going to write you a new future. <laughs> Woo! Come on now. Being a citizen of... Do you think being an American citizen is cool? You just need to be an American citizen who has dual citizenship. A citizenship of heaven. In a moment, we're going to have Brother Brent stand down front. My friend Brent. I want to challenge you to do something. I'm going to have everybody bow their heads. You know, all that. I'm not, not trying to embarrass anybody. The truth is, we got some answers you're looking for. You know, you got questions, we got answers. Brent's got answers, and so some of our friends here. I'm going to ask you to step out. Here's what I want you to tell Brent. Brent, I'd like to apply for citizenship. And we'll take the Word of God 
and show you how you can become a citizen of the kingdom of God. We'll do that in just a minute. Now, if you're already a citizen of heaven, you're a follower or believer in Jesus Christ. You've made that commitment to Jesus Christ. What kind of citizen are you? When people look at you, do they say, I want to be a member of that country? Y'all have heard about the ugly American thing, haven't you? Oh, gosh. I've been in Europe. You know, I've been in Africa. And there's some ugly Americans. We think we own the world. I was shocked when I was in Africa, and I handed a guy a dollar bill, and he said, what is this? He really didn't know what a dollar was. What kind of citizen you want to be? May I suggest, after what Jesus has done for us, on that old rugged cross where he died for us, can we be anything but good citizens of the kingdom? Not to mention, good citizens have better lives. Good citizens have better lives. So many of you trusted Jesus, but you're going, I'm miserable. I mean, everywhere I turn, my life is a disaster. Go back to John 15. Let me read again. As the Father loved me, I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, if you keep my commandments, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things have I spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. There is no joy pill. And if your circumstances are good, and you feel like you're joyful now, tomorrow your circumstances may may change. What happens to your joy then? Jesus says, follow me, do what I ask you to do. Not just to keep rules, but because you get a better life. And you'll find your joy life, your joy meter going up. What kind of citizen are you? Can I go one step further? I'm proud to be an American today. Can you imagine in your mildest dreams, I'm home this afternoon taking my nap and the phone rings and Judy comes upstairs you have a phone call, and, gee, I'm sleeping. Is it an emergency? Dwayne's the White House. The White what? The White House. Hi, this is President Obama. And listen, um, I heard about you through some folks, and I'd like to be like for you to be the ambassador to, to Niamey, to, to Niger. Would you consider being the ambassador to Niger, or, or perhaps I've got Molly open too if you'd like to be an ambassador. In fact, I'm looking for an ambassador for Harrisburg. Would I be honored? Whoa, shoot that down. I don't care who's president. I'd be honored. I don't care what party. I'd be honored. Well, Jesus says this. I don't even want you, I, I, I don't like calling you to be a citizen. I would like to point you to be ambassador. We are ambassadors. Say this. We are ambassadors for Christ. What a high calling. What kind of ambassador are you? When you go to work, when you go to school in Vienna, Rebecca. When, when over here, Bill, you're down having coffee with the boys. Or maybe, maybe George, when you're at one of your motorcycle gatherings. What kind of ambassador are we? Do we represent, because an ambassador represents, 
Do we represent the kingdom of God in such a way that people say, wish I lived there? Or, like the ugly American, I'm glad I don't live in America. What kind of ambassador are you there? Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for your incredible word. Thank you for your incredible word. And God, how incredible it is that you invite us, you seek us to be citizens of your kingdom. Whosoever will may come. And then instead of wandering through life without purpose, you give us this most incredible opportunity to be your ambassadors. Whether it's dealing with people, whether it's conveying the message of Christ to a lost world, whether it's how we do life, however it may be, God, may we represent you well. May we encourage. May we exemplify the Jesus that we represent. Now, Holy Spirit, only you can change hearts. I pray against mobile cold spots today. And I invite the warmth of your Holy Spirit to sweep through this place and speak to our hearts. May we not point our fingers at them, but look to our own hearts and say, It is me, Father. It is me standing in the need of prayer. Have your way in this time of decision. And Jesus, I pray in your precious name. Amen. As I promised this morning, I'm asking you to stand to your feet, please. As the guys up here lead us in a hymn, I'm asking ask you to bow your heads. I'd like to see no one looking around, please. Try not to move if you can't. This is God's time. We're inviting people today to become citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And again, heads are bowed. I'm going to be looking around. I'm the only one. If I can help you in a way, I will. Brent waits to help you any way he can. We have some men down here ready to help you, ladies here to help you. Secondly, what kind of citizen? Are there some areas in your life that God spoke to your heart about today you know you need to talk to God about today? You can do that at this altar, but you can do it right there. But here's what I don't ask. Here's what I ask. Please don't. Be thinking about dinner. Don't be thinking about how warm it is. This is God's time for us right now. Can I become a citizen? Yes. What kind of citizen am I? And I've been invited to be an ambassador.